0: What's up, everybody? How you doing? good. Good. Y'all are looking so good. Hey, want to welcome all those that are watching online and at the South Campus. What's up, South Campus? Would everyone put your hands together for everybody that's watching online? So glad you're here. I got to tell you, I had this idea that would be really cool every time we welcome South Campus. You know, um, if you've ever been to a Chiefs game, you know the flames that they do whenever the Chiefs run out? Like, we had that on the front stage. Yeah, it was- you guys are just agreeing with me because you feel sorry for me. I, no, it's okay. It's cool. But I thought it'd be cool for the new, maybe the new building. Even though South Campus will be there, we just still do it. It'd be really, really fun. We're not going to do that. Um, we're so glad that you are here. I'm glad to be with you. And uh, we're in our series, Advent. How good has this series been? it been so awesome. I've been uh, learning a lot. And uh, it's been really cool. The first week, we talked about the king is coming. The second week, uh, make way for the king. And today... We're going to talk about the king's invitation goes out to all. All right, turn to your neighbor right now and say, it's going to everybody. It is. It's going to everybody. So we're in this series on Advent, and this is about Jesus coming. Okay, that's what Advent is about. And he's a king, right? He's the king of the kingdom of God. And he's giving an invitation out to everybody. And, and that's what we're talking about. And, and it's almost like that Jesus, as he gives out this invitation to come and be a part of the kingdom of God, it's almost like this idea of Advent is flipped from him now to us. See, we were waiting on him. Now, as he gives the invitation, now God is waiting on us. He gives out that invitation. Now, it's for you to do something with that invitation. He's wanting you then now to come to him. Reminds me of the time that... Uh, when we were, we were preparing for our wedding, Becca and I, we've been married uh, almost 13 years. She's my first wife and uh, really awesome. You didn't laugh quite as much as first service, but that'll work. Um, so we, get, we prepared all these invitations for our wedding because I want everybody to come to our wedding, like I was like, I want everybody to be there, and so we just—if you had a name that we were vaguely aware of, and we can find your address, man, we were sending you an invitation. Wanted you to come out to our wedding. In fact, I was uh, one of the youth pastors at James River Church, and I just stood up one Wednesday at the youth service, and I just invited everybody. And I was just like, "Hey, I want you all to come out to our wedding," and um, so I want everybody to come out. And that's almost like what God does. With us, He wants everybody to come and be a part of the kingdom of God. He's very interested in everybody hearing about the kingdom of God and knowing the grace and the love of Jesus so that they can experience it for themselves. In fact, we're looking at a story today that communicates this very same idea of invitation. That somebody is inviting these other people in their community and beyond to this banquet that he so desperately wants them to be a part of. It's found in Luke chapter 14, so if you've got your Bibles on your phone, you can pull it up, or maybe you've got a hard copy, you can look in there. But Luke chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 15, but let me give you a little bit of context leading up to this story. So Jesus is invited to this dinner, okay? This religious leader in the community invited Jesus and his disciples out to a dinner. So Jesus goes to this dinner, and when he gets there, he notices someone needing healing. It happens to be on the Sabbath, which the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, don't like it that Jesus is doing this. But Jesus does it anyway, and through this whole process, teaches them a lesson about what's more important, obeying the Sabbath or, or healing somebody. And you actually aren't disobeying the Sabbath by doing good on the Sabbath. So, so at the beginning of this dinner, Jesus heals this guy. And then they continue on with the dinner. Then there's another moment where Jesus sees an opportunity to teach the Pharisees how they all wanted to get the best seats at the front of the table. And he teaches them another lesson. And then he talks to the host and teaches him a lesson about who he invites. And so all of this teaching is going on at this dinner where there's religious leaders that oftentimes there was opposition between Jesus and the religious leaders. So all of this is happening. Then in the middle of the dinner, so everything settles down for a moment. Then in the middle of the dinner, this guy that's seated with Jesus doesn't know Jesus well and stands up and says a statement. This is where we're going to pick it up in verse 15. This is what it says. A man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. What a blessing it will be to attend the banquet in the kingdom of God. So again, to, to paint a little bit of context here, you have... the the Jews that were waiting for the kingdom of God. Like they wanted the restoration of the nation of Israel. They wanted this kingdom to come. They wanted redemption. They wanted the return of the glory days. They wanted to be a nation again. They didn't want to be ruled by Rome anymore. Now, Pastor Scott's going to be talking about this at our Christmas services, what kind of kingdom Jesus came to bring. So really excited for that, looking forward to it. But for our purposes today, you could just know that at this dinner that Jesus is at, where his disciples are there, these religious leaders are there, that everyone was anticipating, looking for the kingdom of God. They wanted it to come and happen. But there was one thing, as we've been learning in this series on Advent, there's one thing that had to happen before the the kingdom of God could come to to play, and that was the coming of the Messiah. This is this idea of Advent, the the coming of the Messiah, which, as as a side note, we, uh, we're, our family, we're doing the, the, the Advent Devo together, and the very first night, we're talking about this idea of Advent, you know, like what does it mean, and in the Devo, it explains what it means, and uh, my daughter, she's 11 years old, and, and she started to read it, and it, she went through, and it was, you know, Advent is uh, the coming of a notable person, but instead she read it, Advent is the coming of a not able person, and <laughs> so Becca and I, we kind of bite our lip, and then it said the word again, not able person and she's just thinking why would they send a not able person like wh- why would they even come like why this is not making sense so but jesus is actually a notable person and so much more right but he was the one that was prophesied about in the old testament that would come that's what advent means that he came and he's coming again there's going to be a second advent of him coming now back to the story this, at this dinner table this guy says this statement what's really interesting about this is that he was looking forward to the kingdom of God, eating at a banquet in the kingdom of God. And yet, right in front of them is the king of the kingdom of God. And they're eating at essentially a banquet kind of uh, table. They're they're having dinner, and this guy is saying these these words. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? It's kind of unusual that he's he's saying, oh, how great it will be. It's like, man, this is kind of happening right in front of you. So what's going on here? What's interesting is this guy doesn't see it. The the people, most of the people in the the room, they don't see what Jesus is doing and what God is doing. And so Jesus, typical Jesus style, he launches into a lesson. He tells a story, and that story is to communicate, okay, I want to make sure that you're a part of The kingdom of God. I want to make sure that when you think of the kingdom of God, when you think about this idea of being apart and eating at a banquet in the kingdom of God, I want to make sure that we're talking about the same thing because here's the reality God wants you to be there, but that decision is up to you. So he tells them this story, essentially a parable. Okay, this is where we're going to pick it up. Verse 16, this is what it says Jesus replied with this story A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen. I must go try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Verse 21, the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Verse 22, after the servant had done this, he reported, there is still more room. So the his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges, urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Here's what I wanna do today. I wanna give you some insights, some lessons that we can learn from the king's invitation. I want to give you three, okay? So here they are. I'm going to give them to you at the top, and then we're going to unpack them as we go through. All right, here's the first one. The invitation is for all. The invitation is for all. Number two, the invitation is worth it all. And number three, the invitation must go to all. The invitation must go to all. All right, right now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, hey, did you get the invitation, though? Come on, ask him, did you get the invitation? If they said no, you should say, there's a reason you didn't. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's harsh. That's harsh. And it's Christmas, people. I shouldn't say things like that. All right, this first one, the invitation is for all. All right, so the, the, verse 16, Jesus replied with this story, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. How many invitations? Lots of invitations, right? Many invitations, You know, that's what God's been doing from the very beginning. He's been sending out invitations. He's been making requests and and calling on people and saying, hey, I want to have a relationship with you. Every every single era, every single country, every single person, God has been sending out invitations. You can even see through the Bible that God's been doing that. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve, he made a promise to them. Like, hey, there's going to be a person that comes that's going to undo all the mess that you just made. All the sin that you brought into the world, I'm now going to send my only son. I'm going to send someone who's going to undo what the enemy has brought into the world. It was a promise of an invitation to come. For Abraham This guy that God chooses, and he makes him a promise. He says, through you and your descendants, all the world will be blessed. We know from the New Testament that blessing is the gospel, the ability to now have a relationship with God, to have your sins forgiven. That blessing has come through Abraham, and that blessing came through Jesus. It was an invitation that God was making to Abraham. Then you have the Israelites that were enslaved by the Egyptians, and God delivers them out of Egypt, and he, he makes an invitation to these people to now be, for him to be their God and him to have them as their people. That was now an invitation, you can come have relationship with me. Then they kind of messed up because they continue to sin and do evil. You look in the, the book of Judges, and, and they're doing evil, and they turn away from God. And yet God continues to come back to them and say, hey, I, I want relationship with you. I'll forgive you. And so he continues to give them a, an invitation and then another invitation. And then another invitation. This is the heart of God. And then you see this in the New Testament. With Jesus, he comes on the scene and he, and he invites Peter, James, and John and the rest of the disciples. He gives them an invitation, come and follow me. But not just them. He talks to the woman at the well who had been trying a bunch of other things, a lot of other relationships. She'd been married five times, and then the next guy she was with wasn't even her husband. And she kept trying that, and Jesus says, I'm actually the answer that you're looking for, and gives her an invitation. You have the rich young ruler who was interested in spiritual things, but Jesus gives him an invitation, come and follow me. Then Jesus dies and rises from the dead, goes back to heaven. And then now Peter's been empowered just weeks before. He had been denying Christ a coward, but now he's standing up and he's preaching the gospel. And he's literally giving the invitation to come and repent and turn to the Lord. And thousands of people repent and come and receive the invitation that God offers Then you have the persecution of the church in in Jerusalem. The religious leaders didn't like that this whole thing with Jesus was persisting. They're like, we thought we killed that guy, but now it's spreading all over the place. So persecution falls on the church in Jerusalem. And so now they start to scatter everywhere. They go all over Israel. And you know what happens? Then They take the invitation with them. And then there's this guy by the name of Paul that Jesus appears to and offers an invitation now to follow him. And that guy, God is going to use in a big way now to take the gospel to the rest of the ancient world at the time. The same guy that was persecuting churches is now starting churches. The invitation was given through him. This is what God does. He gives invitation. I don't know about for you, but for me, the invitation came to me when I was 15 It was at James River Church I gave my life to Jesus. It was the spring of 2000. I was a Y2K spiritual baby. You know, I accepted that invitation. But maybe for you, you've done that. At some point, the the invitation came to you, and, and God spoke to your heart, and you accepted him maybe at a young age, maybe as a teenager, maybe just recently. But you've accepted God's invitation to follow him. Or maybe for you, you haven't taken that moment to accept him as Lord and Savior. That, but, but you can know that if you were to look back at your life, there have been moments in your life where you've seen things happen that God has been trying to get your, uh, your attention, and he's been inviting you and inviting you and inviting you to now start a relationship with him. Maybe something challenging has happened in your life. Maybe you've lost something, or, or maybe just God's speaking to your heart. And, and even today, maybe in the worship, God's talking to you. He wants you to accept the invitation that he's offering You. That's what God does. He gives an invitation. The invitation goes out to all. But here's what happens over over history. As God sends out the invitation, not everybody accepts it. Not everybody takes advantage of this opportunity. And this this was true even in Jesus' time. This is true of the the dinner that he's at, and this is true over his whole ministry while he was on, on earth. This is why it says in John chapter 12, Verses 37 and 38, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. He, he's doing these miracles, he's doing all these incredible things, and yet people still don't believe. And this, is, this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been reve- revealed? And again, it says in John chapter 1, it says this, he came into the very world he created, talking about Jesus So he comes to this world that literally he created because he's God. But the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him, but to all who believed him and accepted him. In other words, accepted his invitation. What happens? He gave the right to become the children of God. So the invitation goes out to everybody. It goes out to everyone. That's, That's God's goodness. And here's what's crazy about God that I just think is so amazing, that he would actually do that. He knows that some people are going to reject him, and yet he goes to such lengths to continue to invite, and continue to invite, and continue to invite, and reach out, and reach out. When we turn our backs, God continues to chase us down. Man, God is so good, so gracious, so kind that even in the midst of that, he's still reaching out to us. Are you thankful that he doesn't give up on you? Are you thankful that he continues to chase? Are you with me here? Am I just talking about this? I mean, this is amazing that God would continue to chase us down. I know for me. For my love, I, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was younger, but then I got off the path. I, I started doing my own thing, and yet God would not let me go. He chased me down for real this time when I was 15. Just what I talked about when I gave my life to Jesus at James River Church. It was amazing that God did not give up. I'm so thankful that he just wasn't like one and done. But he kept on chasing me, kept on chasing me, and kept offering me the invitation. Finally, I said, yes, I want it, and I'm not looking back. God gives the invitation to all of us, which re- leads to the next point. The invitation is worth it all. The invitation is worth it all. Okay, so in this story, back to the story that Jesus tells, this is what he says. He says, but they all began making excuses. Excuses for what? Going, Not going to the banquet. They didn't want to go, okay? So these are the excuses that these people are making. One said, I have just bought a field, and I must go inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen. I must try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, presumably, this is a really nice banquet feast that's going to be happening. It's probably free to get in. It's probably free food. It's probably lots of fun. There's probably unlimited Welch's sparkly, non-alcoholic grape juice. Okay, all you can drink. Why would you not want to go? I mean, like, this is awesome. Like, why would you make excuses and not go to the banquet? But they had excuses. So this first one, it's interesting that each one of them are not necessarily sin in and of themselves, but they can be lead to sin because they now are, are devaluing the invitation that God offers. So this first one, their are different categories, is they bought a field. This guy bought a field, which back then, that represented wealth. Like, if you were a landowner, then you were wealthy. All right, so this land represented wealth. So this is the, the trap of money, the love of money, and what money can buy. This was the, the first person was distracted by this. He was just so enthralled by, by what he had in his possessions. Now, all of a sudden, when the invitation comes, it's not that valuable. It's not that important. And this is a trap that any one of us can fall into, to where we start valuing the things in this world so much that when God brings his invitation, you're like, eh, but I got all this stuff. But I got all these things. This is exactly what happened to the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler, we won't look at, you know, specifically at the story, but just to sum it up, he had come to Jesus, and he was interested in spiritual things. He's like, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Like, I want to go to heaven. I want to I have eternal life. And then Jesus says, sell all that you have and come follow me. And the guy, the Bible says, went away sad because he had many possessions. He's like, man, I don't want to give up all of that. Like for eternal life, for the invitation that Jesus is giving me. No, because you know what? Here's the reality. It's not that the invitation is not valuable. It's that when you own all this stuff and love all this stuff over here, now all of a sudden it seems not valuable. Now all of a sudden God's invitation is like, oh, that doesn't look that valuable. When in reality, it's the most important thing. It's the most valuable thing you could ever have. This is why Jesus says in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, he says this in verse 24, no one can serve two masters Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can serve one of them, but you can't serve both of them. And honestly, this is a really powerful lesson for us right now. You know, as we're in the Christmas season, as there's presents and all this stuff that we're buying, that we can start to think that it's about that. Although we acknowledge, no, no, the reason for the season is Jesus. We have to be careful and guard our hearts, that it's not really about possessions or money or things, especially as parents. we got to make sure our kids, that it's not all about the presents. In fact, it's not about those things at all. It's about Jesus. And we only give presents to replicate what God has done for us. That he gave us Jesus, this amazing gift. So now we give gifts to others. It's about giving and not about receiving. It can't be about material things. So then God offers the invitation. We can't let money and things that money can buy blind us. That was a mistake. That's why this person made an excuse. Nah, I'm busy. I got to go do this over here. The second person, this person just got five oxen, okay? Just got this this work tool, this thing that now they can use to to produce more and, and get more. This is about achievement. This is about career. This is about the thing that you're going to make in your life, and there's nothing wrong with being the best and wanting to do something great for God, as long as it's for God and it's from God. But if we start to focus on those things too much, now all of a sudden, God's plan for our life doesn't seem that valuable. God's invitation doesn't seem worth that much because now we're building this thing over here. This is why Philippians 2:3 says, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself this is what it's all about it's about not about me it's about others it's about God it's about valuing not my ambition but saying God I want to do this for you and I want to do great I want to do awesome things but here's the reality if for your life you don't achieve you know by the world standard much but you spend your time chasing God and you're a part of the kingdom of God then you have achieved much you have achieved the thing that God wanted you to achieve this is important to know. We have to be careful that the dreams of grandiose don't rob us of the greatest dream of all, being in and a part of the kingdom of God. That's what's most important, that we spend our time and our life saying, no, I'm going to focus on the things of God. I'm going to value that. And so that when the invitation comes, that God, then now all of a sudden I, I recognize it for what it is. It's God saying, come on. I want you to experience more. I want you to have more of me, and we don't value our achievement. We'll gladly lay it down. So that's, no, I don't, I don't need that. I'd rather have God's invitation. This person missed it. All right, the last person. The last person, they, they just got married, which I'm kind of like, man, you know, can we just cut this person a little bit of slack, you know? But here you've got to know what, what Jesus isn't saying is that you need to miss your honeymoon to go to a banquet, okay? So, like, <laughs> they'd be around. I, I'm not missing my honeymoon. Okay, go to some banquet. No, sir. Okay, but what he's teaching here, <laughs> I was wondering when you catch on. Um, what he's teaching, these are all symbolic. These are, these are things that represent other things. What Jesus is trying to communicate here is that the most valuable things still need to be second to God. That the most valuable things in, in your life and in, in, in the things that you would prize the most still have to take second place to God. And when we get those things mixed up, now, there's, now all of a sudden our life becomes a mess. Now all of a sudden we, we can't see God's invitation for the value that it truly is. We have to be careful that we don't fall into the trap that even the most important things, even good things, still fall into second place to God. God has to be number one in our lives. This is, this is why Jesus goes on to say, this is interesting, in, in verse 21. This is in contrast to the excuse makers. He talks about the people that do accept the invitation are the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Now, again, this is a story that represent things, okay? So it's not literally the only people in the kingdom of God are these individuals. You fall in these categories. That's not not what it's saying. It's saying those that are humble in this life, Those that consider, even if they have a lot of possessions, they consider that stuff poor compared to their eternal riches. They're poor in spirit in in terms of like, you know what, this life is broken. I value it. I'm so thankful for what I have. But this life is broken. What I'm looking forward is to the life that isn't broken, the one that is to come. I'm looking forward to heaven. That's where my treasure is. It's not here on this earth. It's not in this stuff right here. So all of a sudden when you have that kind of mindset, when God gives you an invitation to take a step forward, take a step of faith, you're going to recognize Recognize that invitation, and you will gladly give up whatever you have to give up because it's like, oh, I'm not really giving up much right here because this is so valuable. That's how you value God's invitation. This person, they don't see it. They didn't even take something that was very valuable and very good. They put it in first place and not second place. God should only hold that place of value in first place. This is why in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, For we know that if the earthly tent, talking about our body, Okay, this earthly body of ours we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built with human hands. The most valuable thing that I have, my, my body that I'm protecting here on this earth, okay, that I'm taking care of, even if this is destroyed, when you have this kind of mindset, it's like, well, I have one in heaven. Like, this stuff on this earth is not valuable. I'm looking forward to the life that is to come. And can I tell you, I'm really looking forward to that because you know what? In heaven, I'm going to be six foot six. And I'm going to have long hair, locks of hair. Like, there's going to be Samson, and then there's going to be me, and you're not going to know the difference, okay? Okay, we're just going to look. We're going to be like bros. You know, it's going to be awesome. So. But you have to not value the things on this earth, even the things that are most important to you. They have to be second to God. There's something that you could do that kind of um, maybe will show you and help you to know whether, you know, God is number one in your life. You could take in one hand, and, and this would represent all the things that you have that are valuable to you. Okay, so that your relationships, your money, you know, the, all the possessions that you have, they, they're represented in this hand right here. And then on, on in this hand is God. Okay, he's in, he's in this one. And then think about for a second, what would happen if, if something you lost one of these valuable things? You know, or something didn't go like you planned. You had an achievement, you had a dream, and it just, it flopped. It, it was disappointing. It didn't go like you, you planned what happens to God over here in your life? Do you get mad at God? Start arguing with God? Do you push God away? You get rid of God? You're frustrated at him? Or do you pull God closer? What happens to God whenever something doesn't go like you think? That's how you know if God is number one in your life or if he isn't. Because the most valuable thing to us should be God. And when we have him in that place, Now, all of a sudden, we see the invitation for what it is, that it's more important than anything else, that the invitation is worth it all. Which leads to the last point here. The invitation must go to all. The invitation must go to all. This is what it says in in Luke 14, last couple verses here. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and beyond the hedges, and urge anyone to find you find to come, so that the house will be full. Okay, notice that it, it says here that the the servant is singular, it's not servant. So it's, in the story, it's not this the guy that puts on the banquet. He's not sending out a bunch of servants. He's just sending out one servant. okay, which I think is really intentional on Jesus as he tells us, the story, because it's, this is obviously representing things that the person putting on the banquet is God. The banquet is the kingdom of God. And the servant, again, this idea of Advent, the servant is Jesus. This is who Jesus is. And primarily, when Jesus was on the earth, he was sent to the Jews. He, li- he was in Israel, and he would preach the gospel and talk about the kingdom of God is near to the Israelites. So that's where he was. But then he dies, and he rises from the dead And then he returns to heaven. So then it's kind of like, well, now what? Because in the story, it says that the invitation went out first to those that were in the town, which represented the Jews. Because remember, he's speaking to the Jews in this this story. So it goes to the Jews. And then now it's supposed to go beyond the hedge, which represented this boundary, so to speak, that went beyond the Jews. And now it's supposed to go out to the, the country lanes, the highways, like way out there. Now it's supposed to go to the rest of the world. But Jesus, he's already gone to heaven. Like, how is this supposed to happen? Well, he says how it's going to happen. After he dies and he, and he rises from the dead, before he goes up to heaven, he actually tells this message. He appears to the disciples, and he tells them this. In John chapter 20, verse 21, again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am now sending you. So now... It's the the invitation is from Jesus, like he wrote it, he put their name on it, but now it's being delivered by you and me. Like now we are the ones now delivering the message. Now we are the ones now taking the invitation to the rest of the world. Jesus is gone to heaven and now you have Peter standing up on the day of Pentecost and now he's delivering the good news, the invitation, so that people can come to know Jesus. That's the whole plan. This is what God wants. The, the invitation is going to come from you and from, from me. We're now to go out as the body of Christ to do this. And, and I love that it uses this word, this verb here in the story. It says, urge anyone you find. Or another translation says, compel. And if you go to the Greek word there, the, the Greek word there is means to compel or to do so urgently. It's like there's this urgency That that we've got to compel people. We've got to give the invitation. It's not like we can waste any time. It's not a panic, but we've got to make sure that this is our our mission. This is our focus. This is the thing that we're giving our attention, our time to. Jesus says, hey, you need to compel people. You need to have some urgency about getting this message out. Okay, and then now now he moves on in the story. It's like, okay, who? And it, it literally says, anyone you find. Okay, like anyone. Just invite anyone to my banquet, okay? I want anyone. Or right, if they're breathing, anyone. Does that mean the person at the grocery store? Yes. Does that mean your neighbor, even the neighbor with the annoying dog? Yes. You don't have to invite the dog, okay? You don't have to invite the dog. Does that mean the, your coworkers who are nice? And even the ones that aren't so nice? Yeah. It means anyone, your family member. You invite them. You give them the invitation. Why? Why does, why does God say this, this invitation goes out to anyone that you can find? It says this, so that the house will be full. That's what God wants. He saw a guy like me, 15 years old, said, I want him. And he says to you, I want you. And he said, somebody or maybe you go to church service. However it happens, the invitation comes to you and it has your name on it because there's room for you. And he wants the kingdom of God to be full. That's going to happen through you and me. We are now going to take the message. Look at God's heart in, in 2 Peter chapter 3. what it says in verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Talking about the, the second advent, the, the return of Christ. As some understand slowness, instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's the king's heart. It's the king's invitation that goes out to all. He wants all to come to know him. And, you know, we have a unique opportunity as a church. We've got Christmas services coming up, and they're going to be so much fun. Just like Pastor Scott said, you're going to get uppercutted. You know, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> You're going to get, get punched in the face with amazing production. It's going to be so cool. But the real purpose we're doing all of that is to invite somebody. It's to extend God's invitation. I want everybody to grab this invite card. Would you just grab it right next to you? Everybody grab it. Take it. Hold it in your hand. You know, there's, there's really nothing special about the material. It's just a card. But there's something potential here, the potential of eternal purpose for someone, someone to find Jesus that currently doesn't know him. This could be somebody, your neighbor, again, your coworker, your boss, a client, a friend. It's going to be an invite for them so that they can now experience the invitation that God is extending to them. But God wants to use you to go extend that invitation. If you know Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, and he can give you the courage and the words to say to invite somebody to experience God. And that's what this is is all about. Why are we doing this? So that the banquet can be full, so the kingdom of God can be filled up. God wants to use you to do that. I want to take a moment to pray for those that are going to be coming, pray for those that have not yet been invited to our Christmas services. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I just want to take a moment to pray for you and pray for those You need to experience your love of God and his forgiveness. So with your heads bowed and eyes closed, just before I pray, I I just want to challenge you with something. I want to challenge you to make a commitment to invite at least one person between now and the Christmas service. Okay, it's just one person, at least one. All right, so we're, we're setting the bar pretty low, okay? But could you just invite one person they may say yes, they may say no. But your job is to simply give the invitation. But would you, would you invite at least one person? I want to take a moment to pray for you. And with no one looking around, I'm going to raise my hand here in just a second because I'm going to do this as well. But would you just take a, a moment? Would you invite at least one person between now and Christmas services? That, if that's you, just slip up your hand. Come on, raise it up. That's awesome. Yeah, lots of hands. That's cool. God, I just pray for all those with their hands raised. God, I pray that you would give them courage, just like they've expressed courage right now to invite someone to the Christmas service. God, I pray that you give them the words to say to that individual, that you present the opportunity. God, whether it's at their work or it's in their neighborhood or it's on social media, God, wherever. Lord, I pray that you would use them powerful and that they would experience your invitation. God, I pray that they would come to the Christmas services and that their life would be completely changed and transformed. And so, God, I pray that, that your house will be full and we have these Christmas services and more will be added to the banquet and experience your love. We thank you, God, for what you're going to do. We thank you, God, for how you're going to work. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, would you stand with me? I want to take a moment. I want to close our time in, in worship. This last song we're, we're singing, Lord, Send Revival, I've been a uh, I've been playing this song like crazy in, in the car and uh, just like on repeat, like over and over. I just love it so much. And this is really this idea of the banquet being full. it's got sin revival. God saved people, work in people's hearts. But it also takes a step of faith on our part for us to get filled up with God, so energized by his power and his grace that now we've got the courage to go out, invite others to his banquet. So would you all over this place, would you lift your hands right now towards heaven and just ask God to fill you up with his power as we sing this together. Let's worship.